Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Sarah Scala is a high energy senior talent management leader focused on increasing client revenue, reducing turnover, and creating business value through executive coaching, organizational development, learning strategy, LGBTQ plus leadership coaching, and change management. These accomplishments are based on over 20 years as a successful consultant, manager, coach, and leader in talent management and leadership development. Hello, Sarah. Good morning, Ed. How are you? Best day of my life. <laughs> Fantastic to hear. I'm glad I'm glad we could share some of it with you. So I did a light interview uh, introduction of you from uh, information that I had received, but I know our listeners would love to know a little bit more about what you have done in your past, as well as how you're currently interacting in the marketplace. Great. Well, I've been supporting leadership team and organization development for over 20 years. My business just started year number 10 in September. So I'm pretty psyched about that. And when people ask, what do I do and who do I serve and what's my type of work? I play a lot in the leadership development, executive coaching, and change management areas. Um, I've had clients in about 23 different industries. I'm working with clients in about 25 states and in six countries now. And I just really gain a lot of satisfaction by helping leaders and their teams elevate and increase their performance. Well, when you think about the fact that you are hitting your 10th year, I'm just curious if you could reflect for a moment on kind of you know what that feels like. I think statistically, as time passes, there are fewer and fewer people who have an independent practice who survive that long, right? Most, you know, I'm sure one year, two years, very big, and then it keeps getting smaller and smaller. So, you know, any thoughts or observations you have as you hit this significant anniversary? Yeah. When I first started my company close to 10 years ago, my work was very heavily focused on team building and leadership development exclusively. That was what was on the website, the business card, etc. Even though I have you know, a master's degree in org development and change, been doing coaching for over a decade. And as the work and the request for work kept evolving, those pieces have 
increased in the type of work that I do. So I do a lot of keynote speaking now at conferences. I work with a lot of C-suite and executive teams through both team coaching and and one-on-one coaching. And I just, I'm really thankful, Ed, that I get to provide this type of work to those who really benefit from it and also appreciate it. Well, I know a significant piece of being a successful coach is to ensure your client wants to be coached and uh, is looking for perceptions, perspectives, and ways to do things a little bit differently to be more effective. So it sounds like that's a rewarding piece of your work as well. Very much. Thanks. So when we think about bravery at work, I'm just curious, Sarah, if you could reflect a little bit on maybe some of the clients that you have worked with, because I know as a coach as well, that I am rarely hired to help them be, quote unquote, braver at work. And yet I find oftentimes that's where we spend some of our work together, which is them needing to have a conversation with somebody that they have been avoiding or needing to do something that they just keep procrastinating. And I'm curious what some of your thoughts and observations on this topic might be. Yeah. So when I think about the clients I've had the honor to support over the years, it's very common that I'm working with them, whether they're male, female, senior executive, director, mid-level, pretty diverse folks, where it turns out that Being effective requires confidence in their role or in the roles that they aspire to attain. And so confidence has been a huge area that I have helped support clients in addition to building their emotional intelligence. So I teach emotional intelligence for Harvard University through the Harvard Ed Portal totally awesome opportunity there. But I find on an almost daily basis, and those themes, those competencies of emotional intelligence come up again and again, especially as I'm working to support my client in building confidence, in being authentic, in being present in the work that they're doing. So I think um, that, that ties into bravery because It takes guts to be yourself, to be confident, to put yourself out there, to be vulnerable, to take a risk. And so my work often is helping clients practice and experiment and be prepared so that they can take risks. They can show a braver front at work. Well, it's an interesting perspective because uh, there's this interesting relationship that happens oftentimes in the workplace where I'm experiencing something that is not ideal or I have feedback for somebody that I think might be helpful and yet I don't do it, right? I don't either know the words or I can't find the time or I create all sorts of other obstacles that may not even be real from not being me, right? This is me being me to share with you what I'm experiencing and you know, again, I, I'm just curious from your experience working with clients, if you have any thoughts and observations on, you know, either why people uh, avoid being themselves more and being candid and honest with others, or why they create all these obstacles that prevent them from saying something that should be said. Yeah. So I think, you know, with the with the very diverse clients I've had the opportunity to support, often I will ask What's the worst thing that can happen if you share this, if you bring this issue to the to another person or to the public or you report something? Maybe there's something happening that's unethical or illegal, but, you know, they're they're afraid of the politics involved in being the 
whistleblower. Um, when we talk about what's the worst thing that can happen, I think that then makes it a bit more reasonable. Where now that we've identified that, we already know what, what rock bottom is, and we can talk about and work through what might be a better approach to help them feel confident and share or and act on the feedback that they have received. So although I try not to go negative most of the time, I'm a huge believer and trainer and facilitator on positive psychology. It's okay to look at what could happen? What are the possibilities? What are the risks? What are the potential costs? So that the leader is ready. They're prepared. And I think preparedness really helps folks be a little more willing to take risks. And, you know, having the client having the ability to reach out in an emergency to me, send me a text like, hey, I need 10 minutes with you. This just happened, I think also provides a sense of psychological safety. And so having having that set up as a support resource as they take that risk, as they are more brave, I think can only help. Well, uh, it's interesting from the perspective of why we don't say what we should say or believe we should say. And in a recent survey I conducted, most people believe that the reason they haven't been braver in the workplace in the past has been a fear of a negative reaction, right? That there's going to be some kind of career ending moment, right? Where, hey, you can't tell me that and you're fired, right? I mean, they they believe that this might happen. And so that becomes the reason that they uh, put up with or exist with poor behavior because they just don't want to have that type of negative interaction. Have you heard that from clients or is that something that you've seen people experience? Yeah, it sure is. And then I find that sometimes working with the client to not eat the whole whale in one sitting, right? Let's talk about some small brave moments, some small micro risks you can take to start testing the water. So that my clients have found to be really helpful. And sometimes we'll even role play that, those micro situations so that they're like, oh, now that we've talked about this, you've played the boss or my, you know, leader or member of my board and I'm hearing different perspectives. Now, now I'm ready. So I find that even just having a coach or a resource that can support a leader in taking those risks, in being brave, has just really increased their willingness as well as their confidence. Well, you've mentioned a couple of suggestions that I just want to go back to, and perhaps we could talk about them a little bit longer. One is this great question, which is something I think all people who are attempting to be braver to say something that they should say or do something that they should do should think about, which is what's the worst that can happen? I mean, is it likely that my boss is going to get so mad at me that they're going to kick me out the door or are they going to not consider me for a promotion or are they going to direct a project to somebody else? Uh, I'm a big believer in the differences between possibility and probability. You know, something may be possible to happen, but its probability is very, very low. But, you know, so what, what do you think the power of this question, you know, what's the worst that can happen do for people as they're thinking about being braver in the workplace? Yeah, I think I think it's scary when it's first asked, but I tell them, you know, you're not being interviewed in coaching. Take a minute or two and think about that or maybe write down some thoughts. 
I have heard Tim Ferriss, author of Four Hour Work Week, did a TED talk a few years ago where that was one of his key points. First, address what's the worst thing that can happen before you try to pivot or try something different or take a risk. And I've been successful with asking that question at times with coaching clients to help nudge them towards movement. Right. And then I think your second observation and suggestion, which I love, is this kind of small micro movement, right? It doesn't have to be the war that you go in to fight, but, you know, are there smaller conversations, smaller indicators, smaller observations I can make that can help me feel better that, gee, if I go and talk to Sarah about this, I don't think she's going to blow my doors off. I think we're going to have a really healthy, good conversation. Yeah. And I also think it's important to help my executive and leadership coaches look for a win-win. Like what's the benefit to the leader that you're sharing this with, whether it be feedback, ethics violations, more serious or less serious situations? How does it benefit the leader to know that? And I find that that also helps them take a breath and think, well, that really could be helpful, actually. And so to look at it in a more positive approach about the win-win for both. Well, and I think people should also think about and put into context that if they are sharing feedback with somebody that might be hard to say or might be hard to hear, that they're doing it from a perspective of helping, right? That they're not judging they're not belittling, they're not making fun of you or doing anything of that nature, but they believe that you should know something that if you knew it, you might do a little bit differently in the future to be more effective. And so you are simply trying to help. How about you, Sarah? Do you have uh, a story that you could share about bravery in your uh, professional past that would be interesting to our listeners? I hope so, Ed. Um, <laughs> so sure I... I am a member of the LGBT community, been with my current partner, Holly, for over five years. We live together in Boston. And all of my friends and family and even some of my clients have known that. But the business world had not up until uh, January of this year. I think um, a story when I was not brave that I did not demonstrate um, being brave was probably the past you know, uh, nine years in business, right? How I am this person, I have this life, but I wasn't as authentic as I could have been with clients, with my marketing, with my business, and with the solutions that I was providing in January, February of this year. And I'm not sure if it's because we had different political leadership or the world just felt a little safer to me personally. I felt that it was the time to start coming out as an LGBT business. And so I went from February speaking at, you know, local pride groups, small 15-minute workshops, to October, being a key speaker at the world's largest LGBT workplace conference, Out and Equal. And through that 10 or 11-month period, writing blogs about LGBTQ at work, having a specialty coaching LGBTQ leaders and executives, which I had been doing for a number of years. I just didn't have it on the website. It wasn't in my marketing. It wasn't in my branding. In addition to facilitation and speaking with business employee resource groups focused on LGBTQ plus and their allies. So when I think about the story 
when I did not demonstrate bravery, I was hidden. My business was in the closet. And what that did was it made it so that I couldn't offer these specialty services that really are designed to meet folks who are LGBTQ or their allies. Since coming out as a business in January, February, and throughout this year, that part of my business portfolio, providing LGBTQ-specific leadership solutions, has really grown and blossomed. I still coach and work with um, folks who are not LGBT, but the part of my business that supports LGBTQ plus folks and their allies has really been growing. And I think this is because there aren't, when you Google LGBTQ coach, there aren't a lot of people that identify as that. I've spoken to the executives of learning and development at Visa or major companies who have said, you're like one of three people I know who do that specialty. And so I wanted to be a resource so that others would have a safe place to continue their growth and development in the workplace. Well, thank you, Sarah, for sharing that fantastic story. And if you're open to reflecting for a moment, I have two questions. One, when you think back to prior announcing that uh, perspective, uh, did, did you hide it, do you think? Uh, in other words, was it just something that just wasn't on your website and you just hadn't put it there? Or was it something that you you know, kind of purposely kept to yourself and didn't want to share with the world? I didn't market with LGBT language focus professionally at all. And it was interesting, Ed, because each month from January on, I started doing one little thing each month from putting a flag next to my name on LinkedIn to writing a blog or two to reaching out to my HR executive leader friends who I know, who know me to see, you know, were there opportunities to collaborate with their LGBTQ or diversity, equity and inclusion uh, folks at their company. So each month I've tried to do one new thing. Um, and at first, boy, was I nervous nervous because I didn't want to lose followers. I didn't want to lose clients. I didn't want to lose business. I wanted to grow my business. So earlier on, it was just a blog post here, a mention of speaking at, at this event or this event, really small. Pride comes in June. So there was you know more about my focus on LGBTQ to now speaking at, at the world's largest um, global conference. So every month I try to do something a little bit more. And end of October, my business became certified as an LGBT national business enterprise through the LGBT National Chamber of Commerce. So that, that's a big deal because, um, because I'm certified with them, I get access to their pipeline of partner businesses, most of the Fortune 500s are there, who are looking for LGBT businesses as to provide um, supplier diversity. So when I think about what did I miss from not being out, all that. And what have I gained? All that. Well, my second question is, now that a few months have passed, do you have any regrets? I don't have any. <laughs> I don't. And it's funny. You know, I often ask my clients that. Remember six months ago when we started and you were nervous about this or you didn't want to, you know, be brave and take this. How do you feel about that now? Do you have any regrets? And often 
they share the same thing, no regrets. Right, right. Well, it's always one of my favorite questions because sometimes what we think will happen when we start isn't always what happens a few months later. And sometimes people regret doing what they did or saying what they said. And most people don't, right? Hard things sometimes, like you said about being brave, is hard at the moment, but the, the rewards afterwards are significant. So again, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing that story. And it has been great speaking with you today. So thank you so much for your time. If folks want to get in touch with you to hear more about your practice and the work that you're doing, what's a good way they can get in touch with you? Yeah, check out my website, sarahscala.com. I believe there'll be a link in the show notes. And um, I also have a newsletter that comes out every week. You can sign up on any page of my website. It comes out every month, excuse me. And um, that's where I share some great tips for both inclusion, performance management, and leadership development. Fantastic. Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cap at Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at capatrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. If you have something to say, yet are not saying it, if you have something to do, yet are not doing it, now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.